Hello everyone. It's so good to be talking to you again. This has been such a long, drawn out pandemic, hasn't it? Well, so glad we're together. And let me begin by praying for us. Father God, we long to know you, to hear from your word, and to be fed by you, our great shepherd. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, I'm talking about Psalm 1 today. The first psalm to be considered in our, our study this year. And the other day while I was perusing headlines, as I do every day, I came across this headline. It said this, The most beautiful woman is always the unhappiest. And, and when I opened it up, it turned out to be an essay in PJ Media that was written by David P. Goldman. The first paragraph read, quote, Supermodel Giselle Bündchen has 400,000 Google mentions as the world's most beautiful woman, a reported 400 million net worth, and a football quarterback husband. She's also unhappy. According to a Fox News report in which she spoke of all-consuming anxiety and panic attacks which began in 2003, three years after she was named the most beautiful girl in the world. Thoughts of suicide plagued her. She said, I actually had the feeling of, if I just jump off my balcony, this is going to end, and I never have to worry about the feeling of my world closing in. So, I read that and I thought, how can this be? She has everything most women only dream about. Beauty, money, and a gorgeous, successful husband. But she is not happy. <clears throat> and that's where Psalm 1 begins. Happiness. Psalm 1, verse 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. Hmm. This Hebrew word, esher, translated as happy or in some translations, blessed or joyful, it has a bit of a different meaning from our understanding of the elated emotion we feel and that we call happiness. When we feel happiness, we say, oh, we're happy. And after all, as Americans, isn't the pursuit of happiness one of the inalienable rights that we are endowed with by our Creator? We read this in the second paragraph, or we'll find it in the second paragraph of our Declaration of Independence. However, this Hebrew word holds a different meaning in the context of Psalm 1. Its underlying verbal root means to make even or level or straight. Essentially, it has a very practical imagery. A difficult path made straight or an uneven ground made level and ready for building upon. It came to be used of a person's walk in life. A straight path was a moral one. It was an easy one and therefore a happy one. And that's how it's used here in Psalm 1. It's more than a feeling. 
Someone is said to hold the singular position as doorkeeper to the Psalter. It guards the entryway to the Psalms, sort of, or it's, it is the entryway to the Psalms. And the first thing it does is it, it sort of examines, helps you to examine your identification or checks out your ID. And as you look at your ID or consider the things it has to say, it helps you to, to see if you're even interested in what lies beyond the door. Do you really want to go through? It helps you to think about those things and consider whether, whether this is a way you wish to go. So it starts out by having three negative things, three questions, sort of, you could look at it that way, by which, which measures the conduct of a person's life. And as a teacher for many years, I was always told that you don't say things in negatives when you post rules, or you say things in positives. For example, I, if one of my rules of my classroom was no gum chewing, then I would have to write it, please leave your gum at home. So a positive instead of a negative. But that's not the way this psalm starts out. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, it's saying, don't take advice from the ungodly. Don't adopt their ways or their actions. Don't become one of them. It sort of indicates a slippery slope. First, you're just listening and you're considering what they say. And then you decide to act on it. So you're acting on their advice and kind of beginning to walk along that path. And then finally, before you know it, you're one of them. You've adopted their ways. You're walking in their ways. You're doing as they do and you begin to look and sound just like them. Many years ago, many, many years ago, when my brother was embarking on what became his career in advertising, uh, he, uh, for which he eventually moved out to San Francisco and became an art director, writing and directing national television commercials. Um, at the outset of his career, we were playing a game of ping pong in, the, in my, our parents' home. And my brother started to talk to me, and he, he told me that he had a decision to make. Or he didn't say that exactly. He, he asked me to consider something that he was thinking about that Jesus said. He said uh, he wanted me to think about or asked me, uh, what did Jesus mean when he said that you could gain the whole world but lose your soul? So as he talked, it became apparent that he was at a crossroads. And he was having to make a decision. And as it turned out, was he going to follow his faith in Christ? Where, And if he was, he would have to give up or make decisions that might lead him away from the lucrative career he really wanted. Or if he didn't, then he could just go for it. and But he'd have to engage in unethical practices in order to get ahead. He knew that much. But if he got ahead, it would mean making a lot of money, making a name for himself in the advertising world, and, and this is the life he wanted. And at the time, he just asked me, what do you think Jesus meant when he said you could gain the whole world but lose your soul? 
It was indicative that he was at that crossroad. Which way would he go? Whose advice was he going to take? It was definitely that advice that was marking him out, marking out the path for his life. And now, many of you have probably seen his commercials on TV. He's retired now, but he did begin making unethical decisions. And every single one, I think, took another piece of his soul. And he ended up being far, far away from the Lord. Well, that's kind of what the doorkeeper's talking about here. And now, having reviewed those negatives, those negatives, the doorkeeper presents, Psalm 1 presents this positive. Verse 2, it says, The person that doesn't take the advice of the ungodly rather delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And what does he become like? Well, like a tree planted along the riverbank that bears fruit each season and whose leaves never wither and he prospers in all that he does. Ah, so this is where to gain godly counsel in the law or the instruction of the Lord, and where to learn godly practices or to walk in godly ways. And these are the attitudes to settle into, and this is what to become. It's here in the instruction or the law of the Lord. Yes, this is how we become like trees planted on the riverbank, always bearing fruit in season, always having full green leaves and prospering. Water is so important to any plant. We went on a vacation this summer and we left our plants to be watered by our daughter who stayed behind because she had to work. And she did a great job watering them. She watered all of them, but there was one that she didn't water so much. It was located in a more obscure place and it was easy to forget. And when we returned to see our flowers prospering and beautiful, the one without water was, it was withered. It was pretty withered. It had been very hot and dry that week, and many of this plant's leaves had died. But the roots were still good, and so uh, it was still alive. And when I watered it and pruned off all those dead leaves, it soon began to thrive again. Well, God's laws, his instruction, they point the way to him. And he is actually our living water. And when our roots are down in him, they're ever flowing, he's ever flowing. And he's the one that's keeping us fruitful and burdened. I remember that when I was a child, having been raised in a Christian home, I believed what they told me at church. I believed that the Bible was a good book. I believe that there was value to reading it, but as however I might have tried, it was just paper and ink to me. It was dead. There was no life there. I just thought, oh, this is good stuff, but it doesn't make sense, and I can't do this stuff. And I grew up and went out into the world rather aimless, not really having a shepherd to guide me because I didn't know the shepherd. And then one day, I did know him, and I met him. I tore through. I began to ravenously read. My soul was so hungry. It had been like I was starving. And I began to read my Bible. I read it every day. I read it 
whenever I could. And I tore through one of my Bibles. I mean, literally, it was falling apart. And then I practically devoured the next one, and, and it kind of went on from there. But why did I do that? Because that those words came alive, and they became food. They became soul food. And in these pages, I was learning about the ways of this living God I was now following, who this living God who had become my shepherd and was now my Lord. Well, you know, when we delight in something, it's not a chore to engage with it, is it? No, it's a pleasure. And don't we eagerly look forward to meeting with those we delight in? Or engaging in an activity that we like and we enjoy? We're energized, we're not depleted. Well, that's how one who is soon to be gathered into the congregation of the righteous, that's how they react to the instructions of the Lord. And now we get to verse 4. It says that the wicked are not so, but they're not like a tree with, with green and verdant leaves. They're like chaff, which the wind drives away. And they will not stand in the judgment. They have no leg to stand on. And they will not be in the congregation of the righteous. Well, once I saw this film of people in a foreign country and they were winnowing grain. They had these large, flat, but circular baskets and they would toss the grain high into the air and the wind would catch the chaff, which was light. It was light, it had little substance compared to the weight of the grain. And the wind would blow the chaff away while the grain fell to the ground. This was the separation process, the separation of that precious, vital, nutritious grain that was being separated from the worthless chaff. And verse 4 tells us that the ungodly, the wicked, are like this. Like the withered leaves that were on my plant, they were crumbling and brown and starting to fall off, and I just went ahead and removed them. Well, they don't stand in the congregation of the righteous. They, they don't even want to pass beyond the doorkeeper because they can't answer yes to those questions. Why would they even want to? Because, because these words are just paper and ink. They're dead words. So, but those who have the appetite, those who, or those who want to have the appetite, they're the ones that will enter into the Psalter because the Psalter is vital. The Psalter is life. And there they will find the Lord's instructions and the Lord's advice and set their feet on the Lord's path. It's life to them. It's soul food. Well, then follows in verse 5 a warning. Now, we all know what warnings are. It, it, we know that there's, there's different kinds of warnings. They vary in seriousness and severity. It can, it can be something as simple as a stop sign, or they can be a warning that will assure us of safety and preservation of life. That warning in verse 5, it's that kind. It's a severe warning. It says, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Well, take a step back. And if you take a step back, you realize 
No one can stand in the judgment. In fact, there's only one man who can stand in the judgment, the righteous son of the living God. He is the man that verse 1 is describing. He is the one who delights in the instructions of the Lord, but he's also the one who saves us. He is the anointed one that we're going to discover as we read Psalm 2. And he bestows and gives us that righteousness through the sacrifice of his life. And we are united with him. And through that uniting, we become this man too. Now we too are the one who delights in the law of the Lord. The one described in verse 1 as Christ's life flows in and through us. This phrase, congregation of the righteous, I've come to think of the congregation of the righteous like this. This is my little understanding, the way I wrap my brain around it. In the book of Genesis, we read that humans once lived with God in his right-side-up garden. And in order to even begin to understand what right-side-upness or righteousness is, we've got to know this God. He's the very definition of it. When sin separated us from him, we entered our current upside-down existence. Everything's all wrong. It's spoiled. It's decaying, even. It's not as it was created to be. And then Jesus, our Savior, invites us to follow him. And we begin to do so. And we walk on his path. And we learn his ways. And we obey his instructions. And slowly, we begin to turn right side up again. And we enter the congregation of those who have turned or are turning right side up too the congregation of the righteous. And in that congregation, we find real happiness, the kind that Giselle really longs for, as do we all. So I, I want to change that phrase from the Declaration of Independence to say that we are given the inalienable gift endowed by our Creator through Christ His Son, our Lord, to eternal life, real liberty, and the pursuit of holiness. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. And now my husband's going to help me. And remember when I told you just now that I uh, loved and tore up and consumed the Word of God, the Scriptures, the Psalms. Well, one of the things that I did in my love of the Psalms was to write little songs and little tunes to help me remember and to plant these words deep in my heart. And I did one to Psalm 1. So Bob's helping me, and I'm going to sing you that. Try not to laugh. Here we go. This is Bob on the drum. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the 